0: hello, and welcome to the Chess Journal podcast, where each month we host a discussion with the authors of important articles from the current issue of the journal, adding context and commentary to the challenges facing clinicians in the fields of pulmonary, critical care, and sleep medicine. To introduce today's topic, here's your host, Dr. Gretchen Winter. On behalf of Chess, I would like to welcome you to the Chest Journal Podcast. My name is Dr. Gretchen Winter, and I am your Chest Podcast Moderator. Thank you all for joining us today for what will be a great discussion on a topic that is near and dear to my heart burnout and depression in pulmonary and critical care medicine fellows. We are very fortunate to have Dr. Michelle Sharp and Dr. Meetha Kerlin as our guests. Dr. Sharp and her colleagues, myself included, wrote an article in the February 2021 Chess Journal, Burnout and Depression Among Fellows Training in Pulmonary and Critical Care Medicine, a special report by the Association of Pulmonary and Critical Care Medicine Program Directors. Dr. Sharp is an assistant professor in the Division of Pulmonary and Critical Care Medicine at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, and she serves as the co-director of the Johns Hopkins Sarcoidosis Program, Dr. Sharp's research focuses on improving clinical outcomes for patients with sarcoidosis, and she also has interest in physician burnout and patient-centered care. Dr. Curlin wrote the accompanying editorial, Our Pipeline at Risk: Burnout and Pulmonary and Critical Care Fellowship Training. Dr. Curlin is an assistant professor of medicine at the University of Pennsylvania in the Pulmonary, Allergy, and Critical Care Division, and was previously the Associate Program Director for Penn's Pulmonary and Critical Care Fellowship. She has a longstanding interest in measuring and improving wellness among critical care clinicians, has previously published in this space, and currently has institutional funding for a project to promote faculty wellness. Now, Dr. Sharp, your study was a cross-sectional survey of fellows in pulmonary and critical care medicine fellowships that aimed to assess burnout and depression rates, as well as to identify characteristics that were associated with a higher odds of burnout or depression. Can you explain for our listeners what burnout is and what effects it's associated with?
1: Of course, Gretchen. Gretchen. Burnout syndrome is defined as a work-related constellation of symptoms and signs that usually occurs in individuals with no history of psychological or psychiatric disorders. I think the important thing to note about burnout is it is often situation-specific and driven by demanding work environment coupled with insufficient resources. In some investigations, more than 40% of physicians were reported to experience burnout with residents and fellows being reported to have rates as high as 60%. And its effects can can be seen in physician turnover, decreased patient satisfaction, and increased medical errors.
0: Now, what did you find regarding the rates of depression and burnout in fellows? And how did those rates compare to the rates of physician in general?
1: So we found in our study of the respondents screened positive for either burnout or depressive symptoms, with 41% screening positive for depressive symptoms and 32% screening positive for burnout, and actually 23% screening positive for both. As I mentioned with burnout in studies, they've reported that up to 40% of physicians or more than 40% of physicians reporting burnout with trainees having as high rates or prevalence as high as 60%. In terms of depression, uh, physicians have been reporting to have depression as high as 25% with residents and fellows reporting uh, or screening positive as high as 50% of the time.
0: Now, I'm I'm curious. There's... Emerging research, um, quite a bit of it, in burnout, but why did you decide to also look at depression in addition to burnout?
1: That's a great question. Um, over the last four to five years, there's been a greater focus on physician burnout, and I will say in depression. Um, and they're often discussed together, but they're actually very different. Depression is a clinical disorder with well-defined diagnostic criteria with hallmarks, symptoms of adhonia or feeling of sadness. Um, and unfortunately, like I mentioned, uh the prevalence of depressive symptoms have been increasing and as high as twenty five percent of physicians and fifty percent in residents and fellows and I think their mitigation approaches or or ways that we can try to improve this and our trainees and our physicians are different with burnout being more. Uh, likely associated with structural changes to the work environment, as again, it's associated with work-related issues, while depression is a clinical disorder that may require evidence-based treatment.
0: Now, what factors did you identify as associated with an increased odds of burnout, and were there any factors associated with lower odds of burnout?
1: That's a great question. um, So yes, we found things with both. Um, So working more than 70 hours in an average clinical week uh, and reporting a somewhat negative or very negative impact of the electronic health record on their Joy of Medicine was significantly associated with higher odds of burnout, while reporting a coverage system or access to mental health services um, was associated with a significantly lower odds of burnout. And what
0: about depression? What factors were associated with higher odds of reporting depressive symptoms?
1: So, financial concern uh, was associated with higher odds of reporting depressive symptoms. um, Being located in the AAMC West region, uh, again, working more than 70 hours in an average clinical week and spending a moderately high or excessive amount of time at home on the EHR were all associated with higher odds of depressive symptoms.
0: Now, Dr. Sharp, can you please discuss some of the limitations of the study?
1: Of course. Um, so, this was a cross-sectional study, uh, or a cross-sectional survey, and so the directionality of the association can't be determined. Um, we can just state that there is an association. In terms of our participation rate, we had a relatively high participation rate at 52%. Um, However, it's not 100% and it may be that individuals with burnout and depression are more or less likely to respond. Uh, We actually debated this as an author group of which direction it would go. individuals with burnout and depression may be less likely to fill out a survey uh, given their underlying symptoms, or they may be more likely because they're feeling burnt out and they want to share uh, their their feelings with us when we sent the survey, and so we really either way could have possibly skewed the true prevalence of burnout and depressive symptoms in our study. Another limitation is that we did not collect data about the institution that the fellows were in. And so, we could not do a cluster analysis by institution. We decided ahead of time not to collect institutional information due to the fact that we felt it was important to assure the trainees their um, anonymity. Additionally, we used screening tools to assess burnout and depressive symptoms rather than diagnostic tests. Uh, which can cause misclassification bias. Although these are screening tools that have been used in the literature and other studies. And then one of the other limitations is I noted in our burnout findings that um, reporting a coverage system or access to mental health services was associated with significantly lower odds of burnout. We, the survey was designed to ask fellows of their awareness of those um, services, not necessarily whether they truly existed, and so we did not ask the programs or the institutions themselves. Um, and so the fellows reported uh, not having access, but it may have been secondary to being uh, to having a lack of awareness of the resources um, that are in their institution. I think this is still an issue, and, and if they do have the resources but aren't aware of them, it suggests that they need more communication about the resources available to them.
0: Perfect. Now, Dr. Curlin, in your editorial, you pointed out that this study found no association with burnout and factors like the presence of an overnight intensivist or the length of rotations, which contradicts the literature in attending physicians. You mentioned that these differences highlight the fact that burnout interventions are not one size fits all and need to be tailored. So, how can training programs tailor their interventions to trainees in general and at their specific programs? And do you have recommendations
2: on where they should start? Thanks for this great question. And, and thanks very much for inviting me to this very important conversation. Um, I do think that it's really important, first and foremost, to just include the right stakeholders in developing any interventions. You know, all of this research is very, very informative and very important, but a program has to interpret it in the context of their own trainees' experiences, in my opinion. So taking the time to listen to people about what challenges them, what drives their burnout individually that's probably the best place to start. Um, And then looking at the research that's already out there um, that can help us design interventions based on what other people have learned in other institutions, for example, um, I think that will be the most effective approach. But again, I think the key is really having sort of the right people in the room in the first place and really listening.
0: Great. And Dr. Curlin, you mentioned that the study did not analyze the impact of fulfillment or job satisfaction, which can actually have a mitigating effect on burnout. Notably, while the Maslach Burnout Inventory, or MBI, does not assess those domains, there are other newer measures that assess professional fulfillment, like the Stanford Professional Fulfillment Index. Are we seeing a shift in burnout research to also include these measures? And how should these measures change research in burnout and its interventions?
2: Sure. Uh, maybe it's, a, I hope it's okay if I give you a very personal example to illustrate this point a little bit better, and then I'll get, I'll get to your questions. So so back in March, April of this year, when we were all first learning um, and about COVID, um, I and all my critical care colleagues were pulled into extra critical care service covering, you know, the, the new COVID ICUs that were being sort of, flexed and built up in our institutions. Um, This was easily the most exhausting and emotionally stressful time that I've ever experienced. There's no doubt about that. Um, I was surely experiencing burnout symptoms. I was emotionally exhausted. Um, I was having a lot of difficulty engaging with patients because of strict visitation policies, and it was overwhelming to me to try to interact with families over the phone and over Zoom and things like that. But I also felt a sense of purpose and fulfillment professionally, unlike I have ever felt before. I can say that, you know, without any doubt at all. So these feelings and the impacts of these feelings, I think, existed side by side in a very real way and, and offset each other to a great degree. Um, and I look back at that sort of time um, without feeling sort of solely the burnout um, and feeling also very fulfilled. I think even before this pandemic, there was a lot going on um in this world of research where people were getting increasingly interested in the complexity of assessing burnout um and not just thinking about burnout but thinking of all the sides of the coin burnout, wellness, fulfillment, depression. they're all slightly different, as you heard from from Dr. Sharp before. And I think at the end of the day, we're not just trying to understand burnout and isolation. I think we want to know how it impacts things like quality of patient care, retention of staff, people's mental health, healthcare workers' mental health. Um, and so some of these other domains, like fulfillment, um, are also likely to impact these things that are really what we care about. Um, they apply counter forces that might mitigate the effects of burnout. So I do think that these other measures are very important to couple with burnout measures um, in our research, so that we can be comprehensive in our understanding of things. And and relatedly, I think developing and testing interventions could maybe should take into consideration the impacts of things like fulfillment or domains like fulfillment and others. Um, the what I would consider sort of the positive domains of well-being. Thank you.
0: Now, Dr. Sharp. This study showed that there are concerning rates of depression and burnout amongst fellows in training, and it identified some potential factors that may be associated with the higher odds of burnout and depression. So where do we go from here, both in terms of where this research should go, but also how training programs should utilize this data to make improvements?
1: Thank you, Dr. Winter. Um, So... So you're right, what we sought to do in our study uh, with our cross sectional survey was really to get a an understanding of where pulmonary and critical care fellows were in terms of burnout and depressive depression uh, prevalence and our results found some programmatic and institutional things that can be addressed, especially around burnout and I think One of the big takeaways that I hope people got from our study is that there need to be systemic solutions at the programmatic and institutional level rather than just the individual level. And I think strategies such as providing easily accessible coverage systems, um, which personally for me I found led to my increased burnout when I was in training, feeling like I was being pressured to choose between my family or a family emergency and covering my patients and providing my patient care Uh, and I think that's something that is easy to provide from a programmatic standpoint. Uh, Well, I'll I'll step back from easy given the pandemic and the situation we're in but I think something that um, should be thought through and the best way to provide and then making sure there's access to mental health resources and not just that they exist but that the trainees and the fellows know how to reach them um, and how to access them. And I think addressing our work hour burden, which uh, has been a, a huge topic in and, and physician training over the years, and I, I won't pretend to have the right answer of how to address that, I think doing the best uh, to reduce the electronic health record burden uh, and addressing financial concerns among trainees. I think it, it was very surprising um, to some, I will say, unfortunately, not as surprising to me, the amount of student loan debt that trainees reported um, and the sheer size of that student loan debt and the fact that financial concern was associated with a higher odds of depressive symptoms in our study. I think there should be some systematic um, or policy uh, advocate, advocacy in terms of uh, dealing with the financial concerns of our trainees. I think we need a lot more research and, and my hope is that this will um, encourage people to develop some interventions and to study those interventions and seeing how they may mitigate uh, both burnout and depressive symptoms among trainees in pulmonary and critical care medicine.
0: Thank you. Now. We all know that burnout is a pandemic of its own in medicine, including pulmonary and critical care. And we also know that burnout is associated with many negative effects for physicians, patients, and hospital systems. And given that we're in the middle of a global COVID 19 pandemic, which is specifically greatly impacting pulmonary and critical care physicians, there is a very real concern that we may see an even greater prevalence of burnout in these positions, due to the pandemic and its stresses. I'm interested to hear both of your thoughts on this and on potential ways that we can mitigate this problem as we navigate the rest of this pandemic. Dr. Sharp?
1: Dr. Winter, that is a very tough question, and I, similar to Dr. Curlin, have experienced some burnout during this pandemic and I think it's put a very large strain on our healthcare system and our healthcare providers. Um, I think in terms of ways to potentially mitigate burnout, making sure we're checking on our trainees and our colleagues I, I think is so important as we all are navigating this together. I also think it's important to ensure transparency and communication about changes that are occurring that are necessary to occur as we're all adapting to different surges and patient volumes during the pandemic. Um, Unfortunately, I don't have any easy fix to addressing it, but I think some of the things we learned around communication and making sure resources are communicated and available in our study could also be leveraged during the pandemic.
0: Great. And Dr. Carlin, do you have any thoughts?
2: Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. This is a, this is a huge concern, and and I, like Dr. Sharp, honestly don't have any ready answers or solutions, certainly not any easy ones. Um, I do think that awareness of this risk is a great first step, and so I really congratulate Dr. Sharp for getting the survey out, um, highlighting the need for more research um, in this this area for reaching different groups um, because clearly there are differences between, say, attendings and fellows and other trainees and nurses and respiratory therapists, and I could go on and on about all the clinicians that are potentially affected by this pandemic. Um, I also hope that, you know, I, I think a lot of institutions and groups are probably taking steps to offer resources and mitigation strategies um, and, and hopefully making their um, their staff, their teams aware of these. I hope that they, too, will report on their programs and hopefully their successes so that we can all continue to learn from each other and adapt for our own environments.
0: Great. Now, as we finish up our discussion. I'm hoping that you could each give our listeners a closing thought on what you've learned from your experiences and the study, and what do you want our listeners to take away from this discussion? Dr. Sharp?
1: I think the main thing that I hope everyone takes away from the study and our discussion is that burnout and depression are a problem. And in healthcare, among physicians, among providers, and especially or maybe not especially, but also among our fellows training in pulmonary and critical care medicine. And it's crucial that our training programs and our hospitals consider policies and programs that can support um, this group and all groups uh, to help mitigate uh, burnout and depression.
2: And Dr. Curlin. Dr. Sharp really took the words out of my mouth. I think that this study really does highlight that burnout and particularly burnout among critical care specialists really does seem to start during training. Um, And that I think it's, you know, past time that training programs need to pay attention to this um, and really put some intentional effort and time and resources into supporting trainees and giving them the tools to manage their burnout and the and the resources to sort of mitigate um, that and depression um, that can that can be so impactful on their on their careers and their mental health. Um, I think this may go a very long way in, ensure, in ensuring a happy and healthy critical care physician workforce now and in the future, which is, of course, critical um, in, for many reasons. Perfect.
0: Well, a big thank you to both Dr. Sharp and Dr. Curlin for a great conversation on a vitally important topic. And a big thank you to our chest community for joining us. I'm Gretchen Winter, and this is a CHESS podcast. Until next time.